Let's bow our heads. Most gracious and loving Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I have prepared what you have given unto me. I have done my part. Surprise us, Lord God. Father, we know just as in the days when Jesus walked on the earth and when Peter went to Cornelius' house, Holy Spirit, you took control and Lord, you led them. Father, I do not know what you have in store today, how you're going to surprise us. It's not known to me yet. But I know one thing, that your spirit is here within us. Speak to us. Give us a heart to listen to you. And help us, Lord God, to obey you as you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just let us pray for Oman, if, even for a minute. If you can just close your eyes. Lift up His Majesty the Sultan and the ministers and pray, God, thank you for this nation, for the people of this land. We thank you for His Majesty. We ask you to bless this nation, Lord. And as we stand in the gap and as we live in this nation, we pray that this nation will be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in our Father's house? Yes. Oh, that's a good response. Is there anyone of you that are here and for some reason you do not have a Bible? Uh, you do not have a Bible at all and you would like the church to give you a Bible. Just raise up your hands, the ushers will reach you. If you do not possess a Bible at all, you can just lift up your hands and the ushers will give you a Bible. Praise the Lord. Okay, it's time to go to the Word of God. Are you ready yes. to receive? Yes. Tell your neighbor, are you ready? No neighbor, ask your friend, are you ready? Put on your seat belts, we're about to take off. There might be turbulence on the way. There might be even an emergency landing. But God is in control. He's on the flight, okay? He's the pilot today. Amen? Let us turn our Bible. Today I'll be talking a very sensitive top topic that the Lord has given to me some time back. And it was actually for leadership. This topic long time ago was given for leadership. But then I thought, and I was asking the Lord, there are leaders that are going to rise. What if, why should only the leadership enjoy this? Let even the people who are going to join also enjoy. Because I believe in every hope there is a leader. Amen? Amen. Not the women. Okay. In every home there is a leader. So this is for leadership. And women, I know you are leaders also. Amen? God, you are godly leaders. So the title that I've taken for today's message is A Lesson in Forgiveness. It's one part that we all struggle. Go to my slide, my brother. It's one part that we all struggle a lot in leadership, in homes, in families, among husband and wife, a lesson in forgiveness. And that is one of the main reasons that your prayers sometimes are not answered. Because somewhere down the line, you have failed to forgive somebody. And you have put a block to your own prayer. I've taken it from the book of Luke chapter 7. We'll be reading from verses 36 to 50. Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. Yes, my brother. 
Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. This message is not for the neighbor sitting on your right or on your left. This message is for you and for me. The Lord ministered to me long time ago with the same message. And it's time that we all get it of what God wants to talk to us this afternoon. In Jesus' days, there were many religious groups called the Pharisees. They were a very strict group and their fundamental, what they believed in was to keep the letter of the law to the last detail, to the minute detail. That's what they were. And generally speaking, you could say that the Pharisees were religious, but not spiritual. Take that point, they were religious, but not spiritual. From what we just read from today's context, you will notice that obviously that many of these Pharisees thought that they were better than the rest. Many of the Pharisees, that's what they thought. The Pharisees were also the most outspoken enemies of Jesus' time. And they played a very major role even in his death. This is not to say that Pharisees were enemies of Christ. It doesn't mean that all Pharisees were enemies of Christ. It doesn't say that they were all bad. It doesn't say that their theology was bad. It doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus never challenged the Pharisees on their theology. He only challenged them on the legalistic way that they applied it. Because they were so legalistic in the way they were doing things. Some Pharisees were followers of Christ. 
and mostly viewed Jesus either with suspicion or with resentment because he was not following their traditions. And that's the reason they followed Jesus with a very critical eye. Sometimes we do the very same thing like these Pharisees. We feel if our brethren is not following the traditions that we follow or that we believed, we name those brethren as sinners just because they do not do it the way I do it. Example, I'll give you two examples. Just because I eat chicken, I cannot condemn or ask my brother not to eat beef or pork. And just because my other brother who eats vegetarian should not condemn me saying that you are eating chicken and you are not eating vegetarian, so you are a sinner. We can't do that. And the Pharisees were following it in a very legalistic. And another example, this is spiritual, another example, physical. In the early 1970s, as I was growing, growing up as a young lad, uh, the opening for Gulf started. And people, that's what I can remember. I don't know the earlier than that. And everyone were uh, very excited to come to the Gulf. Everybody was so excited that all of them wanted to come from the Gulf. And I was from a CSI church. And I remember when this started to happen, many brothers in the church started condemning the ones who were going to Gulf. And not only them, it even went into the leadership that the leadership also made statements, how can these people go to Gulf? They don't know. They are having a spirit of greed for money. They are having the lust for money. That was said even by a leadership at that given time. And it so happened 15 years or almost later, some of the same leadership's children started to go to Gulf. I never seen those leaders after that because it's more than 33 years since I've come away. But I know that even some of those leaders' children went. But they condemned people for coming to the Gulf just because they felt their pockets were full. They had a house. They had everything. So sometimes we fall into that same trap just because we don't do something, we criticize and call a brother or a sister a sinner. Now let us get back to the message. One evening, a a Pharisee by the name of Simon invited Jesus to, din to dinner. We don't know for certain what was the motive of the Pharisee. The Bible doesn't say the motive of the Pharisee, but it says that he invited him. And obviously, we know for certain that is, he was not openly hostile to Jesus, neither was he openly devoted to Jesus. But this Pharisee observed Jesus with a critical eye. That we know from what we read. You can keep your Bibles open to that paragraph. Don't many of us do the same in church? We look at each other with a critical eye, waiting to judge or to condemn one another. We do it, knowingly, unknowingly. During the course of the meal, suddenly a woman starts to approach Jesus. Now, Jesus... Now, we must understand at this time, she was not on the guest list. This woman was not on the guest list that was invited. But she was present at the meal. 
This is because in those days, during the early days of uh, uh, when Christ walked on the earth, people often had meals in the courtyard of their house when they invited a rabbi or a chief guest. And in the court of their house, because they had big houses, they would have this meal. So whenever a rabbi was invited for as a special guest, People of that community, of the local, would know that there's a rabbi coming into town, would come and stand close by. Now, they listened. Now, you have to pay attention now. They were not invited to eat, number one. The community, the people of the community, they were not invited to eat. Number two, they were not allowed to take part in the discussion that is going on at the people of the guest and the host. They weren't supposed to participate in any way except to listen to the conversation that was taking place by the rabbi or the guest of honor. That's all. They were. So we know that is the reason this woman was there. Because that was the tradition of those times. The Bible says that Jesus was now reclining at the table and this is how I want to show you how they normally ate their meal. We know for sure that they didn't sit on chairs and tables. So since we are in the Gulf, we know it and be, being working in a hotel for, for many years, I see how the, the real tradition of our, our cousins take place. The, the dinner table was very low, like almost like 12 to 14 inch high. And a guest would sit almost with his shoulder on the table and his legs projecting outside the table. That's the reason when you read the scripture, you'll say that she came from behind Jesus and was, how can you come from behind somebody and anoint his feet? So we know for sure that was the traditional way that they were doing it. Now the Bible describes now that the woman as a sinful woman Look at the scripture, verse 37. It says, here was a sinful woman. That's what. But it does not go into detail as to what sin she has committed. In that society, there were only one way a woman got the reputation as sinful. But if you said, if a man was sinful, if I said, Claudie was sinful, it means Claudie is a liar or a cheat or he's violent, or he's cruel, or he's unfair, or he's immoral, if you say that for a man. But on the other side, when you say a woman is immoral, there's only one explanation. It means that, I mean, a woman was sinful, it means she was an immoral woman. But the Bible doesn't go in detail. This woman was so drawn to the conversation of what Jesus was talking, she broke all social custom and approached him. Everything that the legalism was having, she broke everything. And we're going to see how this woman broke all social customs as she approached the Messiah. Now, as she listened to Jesus, I always wondered what could Jesus be talking at that time that this woman began to cry. Have you ever thought of that? What could Jesus be talking at that time that the woman standing there, tears were just flowing from her eyes? So I'm sure, for my just imagination, he would have been talking about the love of his father. That's what he would have been talking about. 
how God created them. No matter how bad you are, he was talking about the forgiveness of his father. And this woman started to cry. And as she cried, her tears began to fall on his feet. I want you to picture that. As she was crying now, she washed his feet with her tears. This is an important in the Jewish custom in their symbol. Since people wore sandals in those days, and since people traveled a lot on foot, very rare, only the rich people traveled on, on mules and donkeys, but normal people traveled more by foot. So when somebody entered another person's house, the tradition was, if he was a rich man, they would have a slave, and the slave would have a bowl of water and a towel, an and towel, and would wash the feet of the person, the guest of honor was coming, and then dry the feet. It was not a very prestigious job to have, to be washing someone's feet. Uh, Ashers, I would like you to sit on, enjoy the message. This is, they won't sleep, don't worry. You promise me you won't sleep? You, you finish promising now. You better not sleep. Now, now people who didn't have a slave to do this would leave a small pitcher outside their house and they would keep a towel so the guest of honor whoever came in would wash their feet and then wipe their feet and enter the house that was the custom of the Jewish people at during those time now number one Simon didn't offer water for Jesus my next point brother didn't offer water for Jesus to wash his feet number one so this woman washed Jesus' feet with her tears and then dried it with her hair. Jewish women did not up, appear in the public with their hair opened. So this woman broke another traditional of the Jewish custom. Have you seen our Omani cousins? The women don't come with their hair opened. In fact, uh, overall behavior of what she was doing or a standard if you look at the present day was disgraceful and immoral what she was doing coming with her hair open and that oh, a rabbi is there talking what would we have done if we were eating at the meal with Jesus what do you think you would have done if you seen a woman example pastor Leslie pastor Abraham is sitting down here and here you find a woman crying side of their feet and all the tears falling on their feet and sisters sitting down there and slowly she's wiping Pastor Abraham's feet and Pastor Leslie's feet. What would you do? Don't be holy now. Let us take away holiness for just a few minutes and let us be natural. What would you do? All of you will be dialing Sister Fatmani and Kutima's phone immediately. Can you see what's happening there? And that too, this man is stretching his leg more further. <laughs> I can't believe he's doing it. I'm going to show you. Then to make matters worse now, it's not stopped there. Suddenly this woman started to kiss his feet. Now imagine that now. Pastor Abraham's feet being kissed here. Pastor Leslie's feet being kissed there. If it was me, I would have said, oh my God, these two are frauds. And that's what we would have, they would have said to Jesus. He is a fraud. He calls himself a prophet. He calls himself a rabbi. 
he can see this happening doesn't he know who this woman is first thing what we look who the woman is now we must be very careful when guest entered a house the host would place his hand on the guest's shoulder and give him a kiss in peace have you seen our brothers our cousins where would they kiss on the nose i am a, i'm so afraid when i go to class because my students always want to kiss me on my nose <laughs> give kashmuk teacher give kashmuk i get so scared i always say don't come near me i don't want anything of that that's the tradition that's they're doing it not out of uh, lust they're doing it because they love you am i right just imagine some sister coming and asking pastor can i give kashmuk for you <laughs> think of it i want you to imagine yourself in the time of jesus's days and now at least we are free what was the state there that time think of it that time now this mark of respect the jewish custom allowed them to do these things my second point is however when jesus entered simon's house no kiss was offered my second point yes thank you brother after the woman washed and dried jesus's feet she now opened the expensive alabaster bottle it was common for women to carry this bottle of alabaster oil on their neck i was trying very much to search there were a lot of pictures an alabaster bottle is only so big and had expensive perfume that's what you see on the picture there and they would hang this on their neck most commonly and they would use this now this too was a sign of another devotion that these men would do whenever a special guest would enter the house of a jewish person the host would come near to him burning incense have you seen because i had to do it at once or twice in in albustan where we had to open the incense and the uh, the guest of honor would just lift his dishtash over the incense and allow the incense to go into their clothes but the ladies that were working in bustan had but we were not allowed to go do it for the ladies where they will keep this incense and then, and i was told that the women would just allow the incense to go into their hair and they would just wave their hair because i was doing butler service in albustan so we we know and we seen all these things take place now and upon arrival they they had taken a little oil and they would put it it's called rose oil and they will just tap it on the on the forehead of the person they were customs of the people of the eastern now third simon didn't offer the customary hospitality when jesus entered his home but this woman anointed jesus's feet with oil everything that simon failed to do a woman who was unworthy even to be there did it while all this was happening simon watched with a very critical eye to what was happening and he thought to himself verse 39 b part look at what simon thought to himself if this man were really a prophet he would have known what kind of woman is touching him that she is a sinner he thought this but rather instead of speaking it out to jesus do you know jesus always like people to come out openly to ask him questions he liked it if the questions were genuine and honest he always liked it nicodemus he asked him a question how can a man be born again 
But Simon, instead of asking him this question, kept it into himself and now was judging him very critically. And he was thinking only in himself, what type of man is this? Now, I'm going to, will you allow me to drift a little away from the message? Is it okay? I like to do that. I want to drift a little away from the message and I want to go back to 2,000 years. And I want to think, what could have happened the next day after this meeting? I want you to think of Simon next day. I'm sure Simon would have gone to the marketplace or gone to the synagogue. And he would have looked at his rabbi friends, the ones who were not in that all the day. And he would have said, do you know who I had for dinner? You won't believe who else was there and you will not believe what happened. You won't believe when looking at that sight, Simon would have showed his hand, looking at the sight, oh my God, even my heirs even were standing to see, do you know who kissed his feet? Now Simon would have been expressing, do you know who kissed his feet? They know the woman. All these fellows do all the nonsense. And now he would have been telling his friends, that woman kissed his feet. That woman washed his feet. And that woman even took her hair and dried his feet. Oh my God, I'm sure he is not a prophet. Let me come back to the message now. Let me not deviate too long. Brethren, the sad part, Simon didn't view Jesus in respect of what Jesus really had to be given. Simon, like most of our church members, not you, okay? Not the other churches, not you. You're the best in the Middle East. Simon, like most of the church members, number one, he invited Jesus into his house, but he didn't treat him with the respect that was due to Jesus. Number two, he didn't treat him as a spiritual leader. Number three, he didn't even treat Jesus as equal to him like another rabbi. Number four, he just observed Jesus with a judgmental eye. Simon was not open to Jesus, but neither was he openly devoted also. He was, in the word of the book of Je uh, Revelation, he was a lukewarm Christian. He didn't recognize his own spiritual weakness. He was too distracted from what was taking place around him. Please pay attention. Simon was more distracted with the things that are taking place around him, forgetting who was in his midst. The same thing we do in the church. We forget the Spirit of God is in our midst. We forget the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is in our midst. But we are so much distracted with everything that is taking place around us. This is what Simon was doing. He was more interested in what was taking place around him. In simple Simon's opinion, it's, this is not proper, this is not right for what this man is doing. All that they do, sometimes we do the same wrong. The spirit of Simon is still prevalent in churches even today. A spirit that looks with a critical eye, a judgmental. Jesus read Simon's thoughts while what he was thinking, not even when he spoke. And he didn't need supernatural power to even do that. He knew it. People like Simon are very easy to read when they speak. In response to what Simon was thinking, Jesus said, look at verse 41. Verse 41. 
the bible says jesus said simon two men owed money to a certain money lender one owed him equivalent to the denarius was 1000 1900 real was the first person who owed him and the second person owed him 19000 omani real neither of them had the money to pay so he cancelled both their debts which one of them would he love more and simon replied i suppose the one who had a bigger debt cancelled jesus said simon you judge perfectly right then jesus went on to tell he says number 1 44 verse c look at 44 verse c he says when i entered your house the slight brother when i entered your house you did not give me water for my feet he says in verse 44 next slide brother number f- but he says but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped my feet with her hair verse 45 the bible says you did not give me a kiss but sh- this woman from the time i entered has not stopped kissing my feet number 3 verse 46 It says you did not put oil on my head but she has poured perfume on my feet verse 47 Jesus finished by saying therefore i tell you her many sins have been forgiven her, for she loved much but he who has been forgiven little loves little we do not know how simon responded to this the bible is silent about it but it just says that the other guest in your scripture it says the other guest claimed how can this man forgive sins it is only god who can forgive sins the pharisees believe that only god can forgive sins who is this man who says your sins are forgiven yes jesus said this on many occasions and every time jesus spoke do you know he got into more trouble Every time Jesus spoke he got into more trouble. They were waiting to kill him. He spoke they wanted to kill him. He spoke they wanted to throw him. They spoke they wanted to get rid of him. Every time Jesus spoke people were there to to do something to him. Verse 50. Jesus told the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't sleep in peace. Go in peace." Here in this passage, I want you to notice one thing. Have you seen that this woman did not make any mention no confession of uh, I am a sinner I did wrong not a word but we see so beautifully her actions brought salvation to her her actions only her actions even her sins were cancelled so what do we learn from that sometimes if you're truly repenting for what you do God will honor it and he'll forgive you for your sins. Amen. Amen. I don't know if Simon learned the lesson that Jesus was teaching that evening. We never hear from Simon after that. Simon was there for a short time. I pray in the name of Jesus that will not be your portion in Jesus name. Amen. That you will always be remembered in the book of life. Amen. One more thing, very important. The more you understand forgiveness the more you are able to love let me re-say that again the more you understand forgiveness 
the more you are able to love. I want to show you quickly three aspects of forgiveness because of time. We see, let us look at the first aspect of forgiveness. We all have much to be forgiven. All of us, we have much to be forgiven. Jesus said, verse 47, Therefore I tell you, uh, many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Obviously, Jesus doesn't mean that we keep on and go on sinning so God can love us more. That's not what he meant. He is hinting, Simon, you have much to be forgiven, Simon. But Simon didn't understand that. He made the most, the worst mistake that you, a, a human can ever make. That is, he graded himself as a self-righteous man. That was the biggest mistake Simon made. He thought he was the only self-righteous person in that place. He compared himself to others. He never looked at the cross. And it came to a conclusion that this woman at Jesus' feet was a sinner and that he was not a sinner because he was comparing himself to that woman. And many of us, knowingly or unknowingly, we always compare ourselves to somebody else. We are not supposed to do that. If Simon had truly been sensitive, instead of judging Jesus and condemning the woman, he could have been asking himself simple question. Why is this man in my house today? He could have asked that question. Why did he choose to come to my house? This man that I hear so much about, number one, he could have also said, I am not worthy to be in his presence. We know the similar situation happened earlier on in the, same, uh, in the same chapter. When Peter knew that the Messiah was in his midst, we find that in Luke chapter 5 verse 8. In Luke 5, when, when they caught fish, and the moment Peter got a revelation of who Jesus is, what a statement he said. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. If only Simon had noticed this one thing, he would have said, Lord, I'm a sinful man just like this woman. Understand this. God does not grade us as we grade ourselves. You don't have to score points with him trying to be better than your brother or your sister. We all need forgiveness as just as everybody else also needs it. Amen? There are millions of people in this world today who think that they are better than the person who is sitting beside them. They think in their own opinion what they are doing is good and what others are doing is not so good. They are doing the best. They have that in their heart. I want to say something. What they will tell themselves, they say, I didn't kill anybody. I pay my bills. I go to church. I attend every prayer meeting. I am there for every intercession. My brother, I don't see my brother for intercession, so he must be a sinner. I am there for every intercession. I am holier than my brother. We all judge our brothers with a standard and we put them as a benchmark. It's wrong. We have to be very careful. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have to be very careful when we are judging our brothers and our sisters. Do you know what happens to us? Bitterness grows into us. Envy grows to us. We have envy because we think that we are better than that person. 
we start to gossip and say, I can't believe this person is bad. We, we resent them. Maybe they are talking to us, but we have a resentment thinking, he is a sinner. I can't believe how he is talking to me. Look at the face he is putting up. We even resent people like that. We, not only that, we have the self-righteousness. And when that self-righteousness comes, there is pride in us to think, I am better than the man or the woman who is talking to me. And then is jealousy. We have all this, but we do not see the corrupt sin in our own lives. My second point is, if you want to be forgiven, you can be forgiven. If you want to be forgiven, you can be forgiven. God's forgiveness is not based on how much we deserve forgiveness. It is based on how much we want forgiveness. I'll say that again. God's forgiveness is not based on how much we deserve forgiveness. It is based on how much we want forgiveness. Number one, the question I would like to ask you this afternoon. Do you want to be forgiven? All of you self-righteous. You see that? Again, I'm going to, maybe you're still sleeping. Or do you want to be forgiven? First time, no, sleeping. Or you saying that Pastor Abraham or Leslie say they want to be forgiven. We are not. He is only putting them as examples. They must say it. You know, the sad part, we sit in this chair and we think we are righteous. We think we sit in this chair just because we sing three songs. Just, as, just because we cry a few tears, we think we are more righteous than the man or the woman sitting on our left and our right. The second question I would like to ask you, do you want to be forgiven enough for everything that you have done in the past, present, and that you might do in the future? We are all going to his altar today. All of us. All of us are going to go to his presence today. If you come to God with a sincere heart today, asking God to forgive you, asking him, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have done, he is there to forgive you this afternoon. Amen. Amen. Let us look at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. A very dangerous passage to, 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 to leave out. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. I'm not talking about physical prosper. I'm talking about spiritual prosperity. He who confesses them and renounces them finds mercy. Today is a day mercy is going to find you. Amen. Amen. Mercy is going to search you out. Grace is going to reach out to you and set you free from everything that is holding you back. There is a sin that probably we all struggle from time to time. And I know... We all struggle, and the greatest sin that we struggle is gossip. Do you know who struggles with this gossip? Husband and wives. When husband comes from work, the wife starts telling everything that is happening, and that poor man has to listen. He has no choice but to listen. And sadly, that man even agrees, because he knows if he doesn't agree, there will be an argument there for that reason. It is true. It is true. 
Look at the conversation that you had for the last one week. Was it about God? That when your husband came, you said, Honey, I was reading this. God ministered to me today in this portion. Is it that? Or is it, Honey, do you know what's happening? And that's the reason our prayers are not answered. Another thing is getting angry, especially at leadership, especially with what things are taking place. You know, when anger comes, when programs are taking place and when you don't have what you want, you don't get what you want, you want this one and the, the leadership is not agreeing, you get angry, you want to do what you want. And you say, I don't care, I will do what I want. Easily getting angered is not the spirit from the Lord. It's a different spirit. The reason I'm saying this is when we come to this place, we need to see the power of God manifest. And the reason the power of God is not being manifested because one or two or three or four of us are coming with anger in our heart in a sanctuary. And how do you expect God to move when we are so angry with somebody right around us? Lust. Lust for everything. Lust for everything we come with and we expect. A holy God will not move in a place that where the things of the enemy is manifested. We have to be very careful. That's the reason it's important. Before coming to the house of God, sit in your house and say, God, search me. Search me. I'm going into the presence of God. Can your presence be manifested? I do not want to be the one to stop your presence from moving, Lord. Cheating, pride, finding fault, knowingly or unknowingly. Lastly, with self-righteousness, I am the only one who prayed. I am the only one who came for night vigil. He didn't come. She didn't come. I am only holy. Coming with a self-righteousness that only because of you, the presence of God, it's wrong. Let us get out of all this. Because very soon you might be in leadership. Do not, do not grieve the presence of God. God is not going to move if we are going to grieve him. So let us learn this. Learn this from this time. Luke chapter 7 verse 14. 17, uh, chapter 17 verse 4. If your brother sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and say, I repent, forgive him. My brothers and sisters, my last point, accepting forgiveness is an act of faith. Accepting forgiveness, forgiveness is an act of faith. Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, go in peace, your faith has saved you. In the Aramaic tr translation of the same verse, it says, your trust has made you alive. Look at that, your trust has made you alive. Receiving forgiveness is an act of faith. It's not, uh, I never felt something move, move from my body. Oh, I didn't feel this. It's not that. If you come in faith and say, God, I am truly sorry. There is something that, that is hindering me from having that close walk with you. Trust God because God will keep his promise. He who confesses his sin, God will forgive how you feel does not matter, my brothers and sisters. God has promised to forgive you today, no matter what your sin could be, no matter what. The sinful woman was saved because she put her faith in Jesus 
not in our own good deeds. Simon missed it because Simon trusted his own self-righteousness. He missed the greatest opportunity of having the Messiah in his house. Just imagine, imagine if Jesus came to your house in the bodily form, what would you do? I'm sure, you know, if Simon had only realized who Jesus was and when he seen this woman crying and her tears falling on his feet, if Simon, Simon had realized, I'm sure Simon also would have fallen on his knees before Jesus and he could have also would have cried and said, Lord, forgive me, my sins are many, Lord. But he looked at it in a very different way. How about you today? Are you ready? Do you want God to forgive you? Amen. Is it okay if we could stand up? We have 10 minutes. We are going to do something different today. We are just going to worship the Lord. No leadership is going to uh, pray for you. The halter is a sanctuary of a holy place. Amen. Just as that woman went to the feet of Jesus and sat there and she wept before God. I want you to leave your comfort zone as we sing this song. And while we sing this song, just leave your comfort zone. Come and spend a minute or even 30 seconds at the altar and say, God, I come before you today. I do not know what your sins are. Just get right with God today. Whatever be it, just I want you to get right with God. Yes, Brother Matthew, we will sing this song. I don't know if you remember the song. It's a very old song. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Do you know the song? We will sing that song and as we sing it, be free, don't be like Simon. Let the other person go. I'm not going. Come get right with God. Jesus keeps me near the cross There's a precious fountain Free to all a healing stream Flows from Calvary's mountain The altar is open for you forward before God we as leaders we need to go before God let it be between you and God right now don't be a Simon be a woman and come to God and say God I want to get right before you
Father, touch your children right now, Lord God. We are hungry for your touch, Master. Father, stretch forth your hand, Lord God, and reach us today. hungry for you today the cross, Lord we want to be filled with your presence Lord God take away everything that is hindering me from walking before you Lord I want you to be glorified in my life you be glorified in my life Lord today father I have come before you today Lord maybe my sins are small maybe it's big I come before you today Lord help me when I rise up from this place that my heart will be renewed you had mercy upon that woman who everyone considered sinful change us today daddy Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh
Chapter 6. And we will read a couple of verses which Jesus Christ said. And through those verses, we will also see what is dear to the heart of God. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive us, forgive our debtors. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespass, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. God forgive. Just think about this for a moment as we close in prayer. If God did not forgive, Imagine, stretch your imagination and think where would you be after your days on this earth. If God did not forgive, maybe your days on earth would be like heaven because after that hell. But because God forgave, 
you and I are not bound for hell. But the key is exactly what Jesus Christ said to that woman when she broke that alabaster jar. Verse 48 of Luke 8, Luke 7, says, Jesus Christ tells the lady, your sins are forgiven. That is fine. That's what we all want. And that's what we're going to pray for. That God, you're going to be touching us. Okay, but verse 50 is key. Verse 50 says, your faith has saved you. Do you trust God today? Do you have faith in God? Do you know which God you're believing in? There's only one God who can forgive. There's only one God who can give life. There's only one God who can prevent us from going to hell and lead us into heaven. Do we know that God? In whom is our trust? The Bible tells us to love people, not trust people. It says, love people, trust God. It's always love people, trust God. We have turned it around. We love God and we trust people. But God is telling us today, I need you to forgive. I don't know who else. You talk to God right now. See, in each of our lives, we might have hurt somebody. We need forgiveness. We hurt God all the time. Talk to God. It's not the big sins, the little sins, nothing. Everything needs forgiveness. Talk to God right now. And maybe there is somebody who has hurt you, but you need to forgive that person. Because Jesus Christ said, if you do not forgive someone, God is not going to forgive you. Talk to God that you need to be forgiven, but also forgive right now. Don't hold on to some, some misdeed of 20 years duration. Somebody 20 years back did something to you and you are still holding that grudge. Do not hold that grudge any longer. That person has forgotten about it. You are bitter because of that. Forgive. Forgive. God is not bitter towards us. God forgives. Turn to God and say, God, forgive me. Truly, God, I need your touch. I need to have my heart wiped clean. I need to have my heart wiped clean of all bitterness. I need to have a fresh start. I don't want to be burdened by sin. I want to walk tall. I don't want the weight of sin on my shoulder. Yes, Lord Jesus, you came and you took away that sin. I don't want to take it back from you again. Talk to God, church. As we heard today, it's not about your brother on the right or on the left. It's you and God. Talk. You have some time to talk to God. We heard it today. If you want to be forgiven, you can be forgiven. 
And remember, accepting forgiveness is an act of faith. Put your faith to action right now. Trust God to forgive you. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for reminding us of what a forgiving God you are. Father God, you saw the sin of the world and you knew the time had come that you had to put a stop to it once and for all. And Father, you sacrificed your life that I might live, that we might live. Father God, let us not take this casually. Father God, if we continue to do one misdeed or the other, one wrong deed, one sin or the other, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Discipline us. Chastise us, Lord. And help us to walk in newness of life, Lord Father. That we will truly bring cheer to you, Lord Father. That we will truly be the children you want us to be. No longer chasing after our own whims and fancies. No longer having thoughts which are not right. No longer saying things which are not right. But just being a true child of yours. Truthful in our words. Truthful in our action. Practicing love and forgiveness and patience and kindness and brotherly love. Father God, you have taught us so much, Lord. Those of us who hold bitterness against someone or somebody, Lord. Father God, help us to throw that bitterness away, Lord Father. Remove it from us this day, Lord Father. That we don't want to have any bit of that bitterness stuck into us, Lord. Sweeten our lives, Lord Father. Thank you, Father, for what you have done today. Thank you, Father, for your forgiving touch, Lord. Thank you, Father, for taking away the burden of sin from our shoulders, Lord Father. Thank you, Lord Father, for making us feel happy and strong and glad that we are in the house of God this day, Lord, because we have heard your voice, Lord. All glory be yours. Father, we thank you for your servant whom you used this day, Lord Father. Pray, Lord, that further anointing be poured out upon him, Lord. More anointing upon him, Lord. That he will bring your word to us true and as you want it to be, Lord. Father, bless him and his family, Lord Father. We commit them into your hands. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in and through him, Lord. Father, be with every one of us as we depart from this place. And I pray, Lord, that even as we go out, your words will be ringing in our ears. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Church, let's move outside. Let's fellowship with each other.